In the early 1970s, Dolly Parton, which as you know is one of my favorite people, made a powerful decision that would not only garner her immense respect in the music industry, but also lead to substantial financial rewards. When Elvis Presley, none other than Elvis Presley, showed interest in recording her deeply personal song, I Will Always Love You, Parton was initially thrilled. However, the situation took a turn when Elvis's team demanded half the publishing rights to the song. Upholding her principles and the sentimental value of the song, Parton bravely declined the offer, demonstrating her strong dedication to artistic ownership. This decision, while difficult, proved to be profoundly wise. Years later, Whitney Houston's famous cover of the song for the film The Bodyguard brought Parton not only global acclaim for her songwriting, but also millions in royalties, validating her bold choice to say no and solidifying her status as a respected and savvy artist in the music industry. I'm Joe, my pal over there is Kurt, and we are Dudes in Progress. Well, hello, Kurt. Hey, good morning, Joe. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. That was a fantastic intro. I love everything about that story. I had never. Isn't that awesome? I love both those artists. That's the whole context of it. Love that song. That is one of my. It's the greatest favorite. love song ever, man. I'm yeah. telling you, it's the greatest love song ever. Just beautiful. I love that song too. And talk about going up against a juggernaut of the time. Dolly Parton was young and an up-and-coming artist, and she had made her way, right? But she wasn't Elvis Presley, not the juggernaut of the colonel either. You talk about standing to power and standing her ground. That's a great story, isn't it? It's fantastic in so many ways. I, I love a lot of the songs that Elvis covered around that time period, too. There's a, I think it's a, I don't know if it was written by Willie Nelson. I was trying to think of the song, but I always really enjoyed that song. And again, a lot of the covers that he did in that period. But for an artist, really, I don't know exactly the context of her age and maturity, but they make a lot of those kinds of mistakes because they don't know where their career is going to go and how great they are. And And they probably, a lot of young artists, they just want to eat right now, right? (laughs) Yeah, true. Exactly. They sign a lot of bad contracts. Absolutely. Early on. That's, I I love that story. That's fantastic. And good for Dolly because that song is just, I loved it before The Bodyguard and Whitney Houston. Yeah. Her version is sweet and reflective and just a beautiful context. And then when you add when you add Whitney Houston's powerful voice mm. and the production value of her version, my gosh, they're two completely different songs with the exact same words. I think I love the, a great song, especially with lyrics like that. I love the different renditions. I enjoy hearing different artists interpret these songs. I was listening to something. We did Jelly Rolls down at Disney World, which is a piano bar, dueling pianos. And I was listening back to the audio. I released for my Patreon this past week, and there was a song I didn't know, but I, the lyrics really caught me, and it was a peppy song, and then I searched my Spotify, and I found a version, and 
I'm pretty sure it's not the original version, but it was somebody just doing it really intentfully and, and slowed it down. And I was like, and he had a great voice. I'm like, wow, what a powerful song. Great intro, Joe. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And it sounds better too, doesn't it? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Last I apologize. It was horrible. I, there's really nothing I could do. I knew you'd be upset with your audio last week, <laughs> but in, in some ways I told you right on when we were recording, it sounded a little hot, a little modulated and right. Uh, it's odd because usually I can catch that stuff on my side because I'm listening to myself with headphones on uh, in real time as you are too. That's I know that's process and method for recording, right? I don't, I, I didn't hear a thing. It sounded just as clear as can be, but wow. So to the dudes in progress audience out there, I apologize. Mm. I hope you got used to it because it was a, I think it was a good episode and really well done set up by you with Alexander Hamilton. So I hope it wasn't too much of a distraction, mm. uh, but I thought, uh, yeah. So let's just leave that mm. as an apology for the terrible <laughs> audio. And I think we're sounding better now. <laughs> let's hope so. Progress, right, Joe? There's a, yeah. We've been doing this for a long time and yet mistakes happen. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. No big deal. No big deal. Wow. Let me ask you something, Kurt. Okay. Do you think no is a complete sentence? Oh, that's such a profound question. I don't, and I don't know if that's the right answer or not. Because There's no right answer, or wrong answer. Yeah, I, no seems so sudden, and there's no explanation behind it. I am a diplomatic kind of person. I like to give an explanation. I think I feel obligated to give an explanation for just saying no. It seems a little bit obtuse, maybe. I don't know if that's a word in my normal code speaking but yeah i don't think i would be comfortable just saying no without an explanation and there are times that i think no is a complete sentence uh it depends on the situation when i when i'm talking to my kids when they were younger sometimes no was a complete sentence we're out shopping for something and they want to buy a thousand dollar lollipop at king's island and no that's not going to happen another Example, when I'm going into BJ's shopping center, I don't know if you, do you have BJ's in your area? No. Yeah. I didn't think. See, there's a complete sentence. No. <laughs> they, always, they often have a cell phone salesman in the aisle and you got to walk by him to get to where you're going and they're going to harass you. No, thank you. Maybe that's a better answer. Right. Do you have a time when you said no, a clear no, and it ended up being one of the best decisions you made? Yes. And I'm glad you gave me a minute before we recorded to contemplate this. I think I'm better at this than I ever have been. I've learned that through maturity and priorities and having things that I want to accomplish, knowing what I'm doing and what's important to me right now. One of the things, this is something, when someone asks me to volunteer for something, and I think, I don't want to know if I want to say, especially at church, at work, probably too, is a difficult place to say no. And I've volunteered to be on the board at the church council in the past. And I've also agreed to be on the condo association board. In both of those experiences, I learned to hate with a passion. And I am unapologetically saying that now. I've learned this about myself. I thought it was something I would feel good about contributing in that space. And I came to the conclusion that is not true. So then the recent or the last time that I was asked to stay on the board or the church council at church, and that's an uncomfortable no, because you're sitting around a table with about 15 people, 
of people that you care about and you feel a little bit obligated to continue the volunteer in that context. But I very emphatically said no, and it felt good too. I have a very similar situation. I, in fact, I, I have one that's my win for the week that I'll talk about at the end of the show, but I have a very similar situation as we've discussed a few times on this show and you and I personally, I was the president of our HOA board and I realized quickly, quickly as I could have that this board is not being served by me being president, not by out of any kind of talent or lack of skill or ability to run an organization or lead a team because I think I have some skills in those areas, but it had to do with the interest and time commitment. And I just didn't have it. I said no, because I said yes, because it initially, because it felt like the right thing to do. But once I realized the, my interest level and the time commitment required, I realized that I wasn't being served. The community wasn't being served. And the board wasn't being served by me being the president of the board. And so I very quickly, once I realized that, said, I'm stepping down. I'm saying no to this position going forward. And it was a hard no, uh, because very quickly, I was. they tried to pull me back in uh, almost immediately. And then as time went by, they tried to pull me back in. And uh, I said no. Uh and there was aftermath. There were some things that happened that would not have happened had I stayed on the board, quite honestly. Some negative things. But the overall, my overall result was so much better for both me and for the community. So why'd you say yes no, in the first place? I thought it was, I felt obligated. Yeah. The president was stepping, the, the former president was termed out and Everybody just looked to me because of my engagement in the community and my involvement in the board previously. And it seemed like the right thing to do, which sometimes you don't know you need to say no until you say yes and realize you should have said no. But when you realize you should have said no and you're emphatic, now there's some, there's certainly, uh, there's certainly honor in seeing a project through. And I did my, I did some preparation work when I told them I was stepping down and I was saying no to the board. I did some preparation work. I, I spoke with a, another member who he agreed that if the rest of the board agreed that he would lead the team from there. And I felt that I felt that was the best decision. And I felt comfortable in the path forward. And I put some things in place that would help the board moving forward. But I still said no. And the, from the second that I turned in my resignation, I did not turn back. Warren Buffett has an interesting quote. And I, I thought I'd use this as my quote for the week, but I didn't because I felt I saw another one that I felt fit better. And I think I may have used this one before, but Warren Buffett said the difference between successful people and really successful people is that really successful people say no to almost everything. Yeah, that's true. I think you got, I, I truly believe this. And it's probably one of the reasons why I've gotten better at this is because multi I suck at multitasking so bad. Everybody does, Kurt. <laughs> yeah. Even the people that say they claim that they're great multitaskers, they're not multitasking. Mm. They're just doing one tiny focused action at a time, which is terribly inefficient. Yeah. And especially when you're trying to work on projects 
accomplish something, the focused attention to something is just exponentially better. And I think that's one of the reasons why you said no to your board and the distraction. I've just felt like the work that I was doing voluntarily for some of these boards, I didn't enjoy it. I got no satisfaction from it. It was just tasks and work. And every time something came up to do or be involved with, my skin crawled. No desire to solve those problems when I had so many others that I was interested in solving. When you learn to say no, first of all, I, I like to accommodate people the best I can. And I think you're the same way. And I think most human beings that has that have any level of empathy are the same way. Absolutely. Most people want to say yes, want to say yes, but nothing gets served if when, once you say yes to everything. In fact, I once heard that a really good piece of advice from a book I read or something like that, that say yes to some that you wish you could say yes to all. Right. Say yes to some or one that you wish you could say yes to all. If you have a big community or a big audience or a big group of people that you're trying to serve and everybody wants a piece of you, you can't give a piece of you to everybody, but you can give a piece of you to some. You can give a piece of you to maybe one and say yes to that one, but you can't say yes. You can't say yes to everything. In fact, when I think about saying no, I think about three, three things that, that really come as a result of saying no and saying no consistently. And once you're used, once people are used to hearing you say no, and they know that you're not mean spirited, they know that you're empathetic, they know that you have good intentions and you don't mean anything out of malice or cruelty. Once they realize that, hey, Kurt's probably not going to do this <laughs> yeah, because he's busy and he has his own thing, or Joe's probably not going to do this. Those requests become fewer and fewer. Yeah. I have a great, actually, I have a great example at work and. It was part of my win for the week last week that you heard the result of my winning a thank you award. This is actually quite profound and related to what you're talking about, Joe. That reward, the person who gave me that reward first came to me quite often for help in a couple of projects that she was working on. And we were, as a team, reviewing all of the work that was coming in. And we had a very large enterprise project that we were all being committed to that we had to clear our slate for and be prepared for. And what we, the way we responded was we built a a three-part series on this technology that I hosted and I taught a, what we called a masterclass in three different hours. And we invited some of the key people that come to us for help to attend that. And it's, done in a way that we could, every time we get this question in this space, we could say, oh, before we engage with you on this, watch this three-part series and, and work yourself through some of these things and learn, try to learn yourself. And so we did that, but this particular person just kept coming back for me to do the work. And we basically said no, or I said no, as politically correct as I could. But the end result was, it was actually this person and another person ended up really doing a great job of learning the product. 
learning the application, learning how to do themselves. And which is great about in technology is that now that it's built and she has some great pride in building it, she also knows how to support it going forward. And I got a great thank you award as a result. Awesome. Awesome. When I look back at my career, especially with the company I'm with now again, and just my career in general, I think saying no to one specific area of, of my industry really helped my growth exponentially. It, it, it added significantly to my growth and helped me focus. But the problem is me saying no to this thing made a lot of people mad <laughs> throughout my career. Yeah. And let me explain this to you. In my world, you have, there's the, there's some people that do a lot of administrative work, order entry and quoting and paperwork and setting up logistical, mm. logistical processes and Busy things work. like that. Busy work, right. It's important. <laughs> right. It's important. Listen, I, I don't want to discount it by even calling it busy work, but some people might call it that, but it, it's very important work, extremely important work. It's work that's extremely important, needs to be done, has to be done. And there are people out there that do it very well. Yeah, but it doesn't bring anything to the bottom line. I'm not one of the people who do it very well. I'm terrible at it. I'm, I just know that's my weakness. And early in my career, I realized that if I said no to that, I could concentrate on more leadership role, more creative processes, marketing and sales and setting, a, setting agendas, things like that. But. There were times that I said no to that administrative work that I'm not doing it. And someone could have easily said that's part of my job. And some people did say that was part of my job. And I said, no, I'm just not yeah. doing that. And there were some contentious times, especially amongst my peers early in my career, when the attitude was, I guess, Joe's just too good to have to do this kind of work. And I stood my ground. Yeah, that's a fantastic situation. Or Example, you get even more specific and talk about sales that you were able to make or leadership things that you're able to do that it's impact. You're going to, get, this, to this day, yeah. people know, don't even bother. Joe's not going to enter orders <laughs> or, or quotes and all that right. other stuff. He'll, he'll do it at a certain level to keep things moving or get things moving, but yeah. as a day-to-day -day job, and I know how, and I can, I did learn that skill. And I, and let's be clear, there have been times throughout the years that I've jumped in and, and, and chipped in when it was really necessary, right? but not as a day-to-day -day process. All right. It, the culture and, of your company actually, to my opinion, should be that way. And I, I've found in my system engineer job, there's the same scenario, Joe. And I can remember leaders in our group talking about and setting up a lot of the maintenance work of systems, we offshore a lot of that work. And there was some people that were concerned about that, but the people that are full-time are pushing the envelope of new technology and taking on new projects and really doing project work, which we call invest work. So we separate the maintenance from the invest work. And that's a great structure, sense. right? If you're in a small entrepreneurial environment, you may have to, you may have to do some of those tasks that you don't want to do, or you don't think are moving your career or even the most important, your most important work forward. And there are times for that, 
But as soon as you're able to say no, yeah. yes to the things that you do well and that will move both your career and, and the company's vision forward. Yeah. Don't work. Let's, I, I love studying entrepreneurism and listening to podcasts. And our friend Clay talked about who has been an entrepreneur his whole life. This author that talked about 10 times in your business. And th that's really the thing that they're talking about to not do all of those order entry types of tasks because they're not moving your business. There's so many other ways that you could be investing your time and, and don't do the things that you're not good at. Farm them even, out whenever they, you, they might even bring you a certain level of satisfaction, right? Oh yeah. You feel like I you're busy unloading. Yeah. I love unloading something. Yeah. And I love moving stuff from here to there and that sense of satisfaction of unloading a truck or cleaning my desk or whatever it might be. I love that sense of satisfaction, but it doesn't, it, me doing those things. Now, sometimes you got to clean your desk, right? But <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Generally less skilled tasks, unloading a truck or whatever it might be. And I'm not disparaging that role in any way whatsoever, because I've done my share, my fair share of loading and unloading trucks in my youth. No doubt about that. But yeah, you have to make sure that the work you're doing is ideally the work you're doing is only the work is only work that is work that only you can do. If you can get to that spot that you're doing work that only you can do, that you're the best in the organization at doing. And they look to you to do that. Wow. It's so much easier to say no. The hard part, the heart, the hardest places to say no is to your family and the people who you love and the people who you care about and the people who you want to make a contribution in their life. That's, those are the hard parts. Those are the hard situations when, when you have close friends or a close family that ask you to do something, you mm. talk about loading and unloading boxes. Somehow I got caught up in, in the moving culture. And Joe, will you help me move in my younger years? Right? It seemed like every weekend somebody was calling me and asking me to either help them move or help put a team together that can help somebody from church move. And it just got to be burdensome where mm. I started saying no. And then I started calling other people and asking them to do it. <laughs> so then I became the person that didn't actually do it. I became the person that found people to do it. And then eventually I just moved on. But yeah, so true. I can remember as a kid, my dad was the guy to turn to for especially automotive care back from my uncles and my grandparents and my mom, those are her brothers and her parents would get so upset with, they would get into fights over my dad running off, rushing off to help somebody with their car and working on cars for other people. Right. He, I don't think he ever said no. I, I should, I got to ask him now that we're all matured and grown up. Did you ever say no to anyone? Cause he was always running off helping others. And then he'd be in a bad mood too. Right. Right. He didn't get to do the things he wanted to do or right. the things that brought him joy or the things that rest his life forward because he was down there with a pole tapping on a starter. Exactly. Underneath a car in a cold winter <laughs> garage. That doesn't really make for a good weekend. You know, when it comes to saying no, Kurt, there are three things that, and I'd like to just explore those three things a little bit. 
And then we'll go into some, a few tips on how to say no and gracefully saying no, but firmly saying no. These three things are empowerment and clarity of purpose. It gives you, saying no gives you empowerment and clarity of purpose. It enhances your focus and in, in efficiency. And finally, it builds respect. Uh, if you want respect in your organization or your or professional growth, once you learn to say no, you, people will respect you. It doesn't feel like it at first, but they will. So let's roll through these. Let's go through these three items, and then we'll talk about gracefully, gracefully saying no and how to say no. Saying no is a powerful tool in personal development. It is, Kurt. We we just spent fifteen minutes talking about it. It, it, but it's more than just a way to decline offers or requests. It's really a statement of empowerment. And I guess you would say a clarification of one's priorities and values. When you say no, you are making a conscious decision to prioritize not only your time, but your energy and resources towards those things that truly matter to you. The act of refusing or refusal, it's really, it's not about being negative or uncooperative. But it's about being intentional Mm. with your commitments and making the right commitments for your life and those people around you and your values and your goals. Saying no helps you avoid overcommitting, which can lead to burnout and decreased productivity. Saying no to things that don't align with your goals or your values gives you space and energy for the things that do. The simple (laughs) act of saying no fosters a sense of self-respect and integrity by honoring your needs and your boundaries. And I believe this, the more you say no, the more empowered you become. The more you say no, the more clear your purpose becomes and you become focused on what's important. And it also builds your own character and builds your own self-esteem. And if you really want to build empowerment within you, learn to say no. 100% agree. And the more you can, this isn't, set in stone like you you come up with your priorities may change you yeah you might get caught off you might not have something you might not be that busy or something and you you have a weak moment so i think you always got to keep going back to these and remind yourself absolutely and saying no helps with focus and efficiency too but in today's world it's so easy kurt to get caught up in the whirlwind in the tornado of tasks and all these tasks and responsibilities, especially as our organizations become leaner Mm. and more is expected of us. And we have to make decisions as to what's important, what's not important, because everybody wants you to do everything. Many of which may not contribute to any Mm. overarching objectives whatsoever, but we got to say no to those less critical tasks and really distractions that'll free up mental energy and physical energy. So we can focus on higher impact activities. They want it fast and they want it now and they want you to do it. Right. (laughs) So if you commit to it, be ready for that because that's our culture. And And I just want to add, Joe, Yeah. don't forget self-care. We talked about how great and important sleep is and time for yourself. And you and I have a, a, a more abundance of that ability because our children are grown up. So I I think I just want to remind those that are busy running around. We both have been there with three kids. If you're taking care of yourself, it gives you in the power of saying no, 
when you're taking care of yourself, when you're eating, when you're getting sleep, when you're exercising, when you have personal downtime, it gives you more power to say no. You can think more clearly. You can stand your ground. But if you're weak and tired and you're not, you're malnourished, for lack of a better way of saying it, standing your ground and saying no becomes more difficult because you just don't want the fight. You don't have the energy for the fight. You don't have the energy or the focus for the, or the clarity that you need. How do you say no? Let's talk about that. Let's talk about saying no. I believe that no is a complete sentence. And there are times that I've been called harsh for saying no and just leaving no as a no. It's very rare that I do that, but I, I am willing to do it when it comes down to it, especially if people will not take a graceful no. Uh, I do believe <laughs> that no is a no is a complete sentence because people can twist it, right? Yeah. People can build their arguments and they can guilt you into it and they can make you feel obligated or they can make you feel like you're not being loving or caring or empathetic or helpful or you're not being a team player. They can build all this stuff. They can build their arguments pretty well. And as somebody with a sales background, I understand how to do that. And I understand also understand when people are doing it. But I, if, if possible, I do believe in being direct, but polite, clearly stating a no, right. a refusal. That's true. I can't commit to this. I wouldn't be overly apologetic or make excuses. I, I do believe in a more straightforward approach. It's the most, it's the most respectful and effective. I like the words you just use. I can't commit to this. Yeah. I'm overcommitted right now and I can't right. commit to this. I think that's a respectful answer. Here's what I do at work. And I've done this dozens of times when somebody in authority comes to me and they want me to do a project. I have a list of the projects that I'm working on that I think are priority projects. Right. And they're also projects that I'm working on that have been clearly identified by the powers that be as priority product projects. Yes. So I will pull out that list and I will say, okay, I'll do this for you. That's no problem. Which one of these do you want me to stop doing? That is and that great works, empowerment. It, great. it sounds harsh and it sounds maybe disrespectful, but your the people that you report to will respect you for that because it says two things. It, it says you have an understanding of what your, what your duties and your obligations are, and you'll be surprised how quickly they accept that and just move on. I don't think there's a problem in, 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 in expressing gratitude either. Right. right. And ask and telling people, Hey, listen, I appreciate you thinking about me, but I won't be able to do this. Yeah. And I think that's a good way to frame it sometimes. Absolutely. Thank, yeah. Thank you I'm for honored. thinking about me. Yeah. I'm yeah, honored. I'm that honored. You, especially again, do you, would you like to be the president of the board? Wow. That's a, <laughs> that is a great honor. The problem is I'm a little bit overcommitted and I suck at it. That, that's pretty good, right? I'm overcommitted and I suck at it. <laughs> if you want me to still be president, then that's fine, but I won't be able to give you any time and I'll be terrible at doing the job. You're going to hate oh, me. Oh man, I love that. A little self-deprecation <laughs> in, in your no is good, right? I think if you're going to give an explanation, Kurt, just keep it simple and honest. Something like yeah. I'm currently focusing on other priorities right now. Yeah. We have this at work. I have a note. It's written. I have a written response when people will send me a text message and say, hey, Kurt. Can you get on a call with me for five minutes? I just have, I have a quick question. I have an easy question. Joe, let me tell you something. And the tech guys in my group laugh all the time. We get this all the time and it's never an easy question. Alternative. <laughs> um, comes to saying no, I, I think there's the, the two final 
best ways that, or best mindsets about saying no or best ways to, about saying no that I've used is number one, practice empathy. Acknowledge that the other person has feelings, right? Hmm. And they have needs and they're coming to you to help fulfill those needs. So practice empathy. Uh, I know in the beginning I said no is a complete sentence and sometimes it does end up that end up that you just have to say no. But frame frame the request with empathy. Frame frame your response with empathy. And you know how to do this, right? You know how to do this. Mm-hmm. We may not feel like we do, but we know how to be nice, right? Yes. <laughs> we know how to yeah, be nice. Absolutely. For example, instead of saying to somebody, you're asking way too much of me. If uh-huh. Instead of saying that, how about just saying, hey, listen, I don't have the bandwidth right now. I would love to, but it's just not there for me. Can you maybe come back to me at another time when I might be able to do it? But right now it's just not there, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I've had that where, hey, I'm really tied up for the next two weeks. Could we look at this maybe next month? And in my day-to-day job, that works almost all the time. I can't think of it when it hasn't. You got to stay consistent too, Kurt. I mean, if you if you become wishy-washy, they'll know you're wishy-washy. Yeah. Once you've said no and you've massaged it and you've had it if you, and and you've practiced empathy, you've you framed it in such a way but you're still saying no, you got to stay consistent on your no because once once they realize that yeah, he's going to say no at first, but after we poke and prod a little bit or somebody else comes back and asks or we frame it a little different, they're <laughs> going to say yes eventually. Then you're gonna you're gonna be known for that, right? You're gonna be known for somebody that's wishy washy and doesn't stick to doesn't stick to their no, and nobody wants that, right? Nobody wants to wants no. that. I'm laughing because I can think of my older son Harry, and he used he was an expert at this with my wife working his mom, huh? <laughs> he can work her to a yes, and nobody yeah. ever saw. He's, yep. <laughs> That's funny. She had a soft spot. Speaking of family and trying to say no. End it with this. The session on saying no is make sure you have in advance in your life, in your world, you have your clear boundaries. For the most part, I'm not available for the weekends, Kurt. I will not cancel a family commitment for work. I will not cancel. I will not. I I generally will not, uh, will not work later than a certain time. Because right. that's my that's time for my wife and my family and my kids and right. to do some of the other stuff point. that I'd like to yep. do. That's another good uh, one. Right. And if you have clear set boundaries, it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to say no. Great so there topic. we go. Yeah. Learn to it. say no. Learn to say no. Work on it. All right. Yep. Yeah. Let's all work on it. I think it's a the one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful skill that we can develop, right? Absolutely. Do you have a win for the week? Yeah. And we got a little bit of a hard stop here today, Joe, and I'm going to combine my win for the week and my resource in the same, if you don't mind. Sure. I turned a loss this week into a win because I logged into, I've been using Evernote since ever I can remember, especially in the last 10 years I've been doing my podcast to keep all my notes together and a script that I'm using for my podcast, questions that I'm going to be using. I logged in or tried to log in. They went to a pay model. They went from free to paid. No kidding. This week shocked. And I started reading some reasons why that was going on. They've, they're having financial problems or whatever. I'm an Office 365 Microsoft professional at work. And I was like, all right. And I use Zoom for my podcast to interview folks. That has gone up to $17 a month. I looked at Office 365. I can do, if I buy a year, I can get it for $12.50. 
I can get Microsoft Teams and I practiced that. I, bought, I got a free month this month and I was able to invite people into a meeting this week with two. I did a recording and I also did a meeting on Microsoft Teams, which I'm familiar with. I just want to make sure it's something that the public and it will be successful for them and an easy experience for them. But I think I'm going to Office 365 and that's my resource for the week. And I, I'm looking at different plans. There's a business plan that I signed up for, but even right before this meeting, I was taking a look or our podcast recording. I was looking, I might get a personal version as long as I can get teams and that's even cheaper. Yeah. So I turned, I'm using, I'll be using OneNote for my notes in Microsoft Teams. And of course that gives you the whole suite of Excel and Word and all those things. So your win for the week is you were quickly able to pivot from Evernote to OneNote yeah. in Microsoft 365. And in that pivot, you discovered the power, and you've always known the power. You are a Microsoft guru, dude. Mm. But you've discovered the power and the tools of the Microsoft ecosphere, right? Yeah. I can awesome. Get, for less price, I could get the things I need for my podcast and external use, private use, for less cost. Why don't you go ahead and do your quote for the week, and then I'll ro roll through my three. We'll change up it a little bit since you've got some momentum. I've been interested in the founding fathers as I've been talking about this. And one of your favorite founding fathers has a quote, take not from the mouth of labor, the bread it has earned. Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> awesome. I thought about some of your conversation over the last couple of weeks. And yeah, I thought you would enjoy that one, Joe. No doubt. Thomas Jefferson is just uh, one of history's great, deep thinkers. And uh, as many of our founding fathers were. My win for the week, this is all thematic, right? My win for the week is I realized that saying no to being part of a, for all intents and purposes, a social planning committee at work freed up my time to travel to the UK and present to my company's European team mm. this week. So Sunday I fly out to the UK and I'll be making a, I'm making a presentation to my company's European team. And I, as I look back, I realize that I, had I been, had I said yes to being a part of this social planning committee, which was important, it helps with culture and stuff like that. I would not have had the time and I would not have had this free time this week to go and present to my Euro to my mm. European team. So how awesome is That's that? That's fantastic. Right? Yeah. Hey, have a great trip. Can't wait to hear yeah. about it. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a blast. And so that brings to me to my resource. This is something that I've used many, many years ago. It's called a no button. And I bought a brand new one from Amazon. Same model, same message, same everything. It's a big old red button that I for years I kept on my desk. <laughs> and when you press it, it gives various renditions of no. For example, no, 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 N O. No, 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 no. For the last time, no. <laughs> I had that on my desk for years and I bought a new one for about 13 bucks on Amazon. And so my resource for the week is a no button. How about that for my desk? And I'm going to wrap up with my quote from Derek Sivers, author of a really neat book called Anything You Want. Derek says, if you're not saying hell yeah, say no.
Yeah. If you're not saying hell yeah about something, say no. I like that. I like that book too. I'll have to check that book out. It sounds. It is a good book. It, it really is a good book. I agree. So let's wrap up with our website, dudesinprogress.com, dudesinprogress.com. And of course, our email address is dudes at dudesinprogress.com. And if you want to support the show, just go to dudesinprogress.com slash support. You can certainly help us out there. Kurt, as we roll through this weekend, remember, say no. <laughs> say no, because by saying no, you'll make progress. And progress is better than perfection. So let's keep moving forward. I guess I got to say no next week, Joe, for you while you're gone in Europe <laughs> and have an example. Awesome. Talk to you soon. <laughs>